Welcome to Periop Talk, where we discuss how we can make surgery safer together, one podcast at a time. From Q&As with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you. Our goal is to always share practical information with you to take back to your OR. Today, our guest is Doreen Wagner, professor of nursing at Wellstar School of Nursing at Kennesaw State University in Georgia. Doreen and her team conducted the first known study to explore the relationship between unplanned perioperative hypothermia, the most common perioperative complication, and the development of postoperative delirium in a large non-cardiac surgery population. Our topic today is the clinical nurse's role in research, and we'll also be able to ask Doreen a few questions about her current research study. Hi, Doreen. Thanks for joining us on a call today. I'm really happy to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing about research and what I find so exciting about it. You started off as a perioperative nurse in the OR. What made you move into research and into the academic setting? It kind of goes back to my my master's um, thesis where I fell in love with research, and that was uh, something that one of my professors told me back in my master's program, she says, you do not want to do a research study unless it's close to your heart. And my first study that I ever did was that historical look into why operating room clinical experiences went away in nursing school, for the most part anyway. I mean, I was just really wanting to know at least a piece of the why for that. And I went into that master's program as an associate degree nurse. So I did the ADN to MSN. My brain exploded. Research was like, wow, this is awesome. You can have questions. You can find a piece of the answer all by yourself or with the help of others. It's awesome. So what I get to do now the past few years is actually I'm, I'm able to do something about that decline, and it makes me feel really good. Tell me what you think um, makes you a great researcher. I've never thought of myself as being patient, but um, I think I've developed a little bit of patience uh, because research does take time. Um, And trying to not take too big of a bite um, out of the problem, you need to start with the smaller problem and make sure that you're taking one step at a time. And that is something I think that I have developed, it's not that I started there, but I have the mindset of um, being positive and have perseverance, so I I really strive to keep going forward with my projects, and I get excited, too. I'm very uh, passionate about the work that I do. I think perseverance, curiosity, and just passion has been what I guess I've had, and just knowing that it takes time. <laughs> so, How about for our listeners out there who have never been involved with a research project before, what steps would you suggest that they take? Let's think about, going back to thinking about that spectrum of educational levels, but also just thinking about being in this evidence-based practice environment that we're now in as nurses. Um, One end of our research spectrum is being a consumer of nursing research, reading the research reports, uh, the articles to keep up to date on findings that may relate or affect their practice. And the other end of the spectrum is um, where you have the producers of the nursing research, nurses who actively design and conduct research. 
There's a lot of things on the in-between that nurses can start with. One of them is contributing an idea for a clinical research study. Another item in between those two endpoints on that spectrum would be assisting in collecting research information, like doing a literature review or gathering together with several other people to pull you know, information together. You're on a research team, perhaps, and you're going to gather that information. Um, offer advice to the patients that are wanting to possibly participate in a study so that you could actually inform them about the study, be a part of the team to uh, recruit patients to a study. You could actually be formally involved in a research team and do the collection of research data, and then you can maybe start a journal club, get to know how to look at journal articles and understand what the research process is. Okay. So if they're wanting to have enough experience to be involved into a, a project, I think that being comfortable first is important. So all those steps of the in-between and then getting involved in um, a research project, getting to know a PhD that's going to be doing that, or maybe their health system has uh, a research scientist uh, over their nursing uh, leadership area to be able to talk to them and say, I have this idea and I'd really like to be involved in this study looking at this. And then that can be guidance and they can be in very much involved in the process. Um, what knowledge and skills can a clinical nurse bring to the project and provide that an academic nurse who isn't practicing every day? That's an excellent question. Um, the need for that clinical perspective is so important when you do have um, that PhD that's not in that field every day. The clinician is at the bedside, is with the patient, is charting. They're doing all the things with the patient every day, so they know their area so much better. I'm, I'm still a certified OR nurse, peri-op nurse, but <clears throat> I'm not in there every day. So I, even with this project, I'm finishing up here, um, I still would pick up the phone and talk to a clinician if we had a question about a particular data entry point. So that would be, where did you chart this? And what was the time frame that you would, you know, do this? When was the warming blanket put on exactly? Was it pre-op? Was it intra-op? When, when did you do these things in particular? Okay. That makes sense. So that clinician is going to give you the the best view of providing a clinical picture for your project. And having a clinician on your team is very important. It also gives you um, a way of being able to work together to provide the best patient care in the long run because the evidence we're trying to get at is all about improving patient care, is all about improving the perioperative nurse's environment. Now, you've been doing a lot of research around hypothermia, and I'm wondering what prompted your interest in this particular topic. My work looking at hypothermia in general um, started late 1990s, early 2000s, because I was involved with a legal case that uh, was burned from misuse of a warming device, and I really started learning about hypothermia at that time, and then I started thinking, oh my gosh, we need to know more about this hypothermia, and I started reading the literature. And then when I started thinking about the delirium part of my 
research that I'm working on right now. It mainly came about because I kept seeing, when I was reading some of the newer articles about hypothermia, and I'd see something, and I'd see that hypothermia slash hyperthermia, so being cold or being very hot, or would possibly put you into a state of delirium post-op. Um, but I couldn't find a reference for it. And when I would look at the references that were given, along with the long list of things that hypo and hyperthermia were stuck in the middle of, it would, again, just mention it. So there's no studies out there to actually see, is there a relationship between these two phenomenon, hypothermia and post-op delirium? So I actually went and got trained on how to assess for delirium at Harvard to delve into more of that assessment and research of delirium. Delirium is something that impacts so many patients. It is up to 58% of our surgical patients that can develop that. Now, that includes ICU patients, of course, but that's a lot. Doreen, I know you received some funding from AORN for a secondary analysis study specifically looking at hypothermia patterns. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about those next steps and what that looks like? Well, sure. Yeah, we were very excited to receive funding from AORN Foundation um, to investigate unplanned intraoperative hypothermia patterns and the relationships in surgical patients warmed with forced air. And it would also give us the opportunity to determine any kind of trajectory of heat loss based on the type of surgery, anesthesia type, and then timing of the forced air warming. So we're, we're really just trying to see those patterns um, and relationships of patients that are warmed with forced air and how the impact is with their hypothermia patterns. You know, what what are you hoping that people will do, the nurses that you're talking about here, as a result of the research that you've done? Um, One of the things that I've also recognized in the literature as well as when I go to the hospital um, with my clinical students is that... um, People aren't assessing for delirium, and when they do think about assessing for delirium, they are doing it usually with the old patients instead of doing it with every patient and knowing what are we starting with before surgery so we know at what cognitive level is this patient, uh, do they have a history that may predispose them to delirium after surgery, And so we know what we're starting with, and then we can tell if we have something that's going to be at a different state afterwards. And if we are looking at somebody that's being ready to be sent home and they have delirium, you have to recognize they have delirium and you won't send them home. What would you tell nurses to keep an eye out for? So my tip is that you need to know what you're starting with with your patients, so a preoperative assessment, and then you're assessing them post-op to make sure that you're recognizing if they are delirious or not. And then if they're delirious, then you're going to try and find out what's causing the delirium, and you stop that before you send them home. Well, that makes a lot of sense, and it sounds like the research that you've done and the research that you're continuing to do is making a big difference. We kind of do research all the time. You know, what's the best mascara? You know, we'll pick up a consumer's report and look stuff up. You know, we're trying to find evidence to answer our questions. So this is just a, you know, a little bit more of a systematic designed plan of action to go about it. And it um, involves human subjects usually, so we have to make sure that we're treating everybody 
in an appropriate and ethical way. So there's, you know, a process to do that. So there's lots of little things that we have to be aware of, and that's why working with somebody that has the education that knows about that is the the way to to get excited and to get involved and to, you know, get the word out what your findings are and hopefully spark somebody else else's interest in moving forward with a similar project. Is there anything else that you'd like uh, our listeners to know about the clinical nurse's role in research? I think that the more the clinical nurse engages in any research activity, be it involvement in a journal club, learning how to really dig into a research article to learn more about the evidence that informs their practice, or really digging into uh, a guideline to see, you know, why am I saying that this is the best practice to handle hypothermia? You know, what what is this guideline really telling me and what evidence is supporting that? I mean, really just engaging in the research behind what we do is a big first step. And then that is going to lead to the nurse being more knowledgeable and skilled at what is research. And then you're going to be ready to jump into a research team and asking those research questions. Oh, that's great. And we just, we really appreciate your time today and your role in research and also your advice to clinical nurses out there who may be interested in in getting into research. Well, thank you, Brooke. I really, really enjoyed um, sharing my experiences and I've always enjoyed sharing my research with others. So I'm looking forward to um, meeting some new researchers and thank you very much for this experience. Again, today our guest was Doreen Wagner. And for more details on Doreen's research and AORN's new information campaign that spotlights the work that both members and AORN do to advance the perioperative profession, visit AORN.org backslash AORN matters. Thanks for listening. We hope you share this podcast with your colleagues. I'm Brooke Keith. We hope you'll join us again next time for Periop Talk.